Church, Charlotte. Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord, everyone. One more time, put your hands together. Give God a hand clap of praise in this house. Special, special thank you to our praise and worship team that works so hard to help us gather our minds and gather our spirits in this house and come together in one mind and in one accord to exalt the name of the Lord, to lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting, to be thankful and to bless his name, to be thankful. And is anybody thankful here today? To be thankful and to bless his name. I bless you, Lord, in the sanctuary. I bless you, Lord, with all of me. I praise you for your goodness that is beyond understanding. I worship you. When I was undone and broken, you cared about me enough to make a difference in my life. I don't deserve to be here, God. I'm just a son of Korah welcoming everyone into the house. I want to say thank you for your goodness in my life, your abundant blessing, and let some church folks say in Jesus' name, God bless you. Those of you joining us online, let me say thank you for giving us some time. I want the word of the Lord to be rich and real, and I want it to be applied in your heart and life. Uh, Wherever you are can be a place of prayer. Wherever you are can be a place of worship. And we welcome you wherever you are joining us from. And we are going to get into the scripture. My title today uh, will need a little bit of explanation, but if you'll trust me for a few moments, I will explain it all. My title today is simply Surprised by the Trees. Surprised by the trees. When I do titles like this, there's always uh, this sense of when I give you the title, people look at me like I have no idea what you're doing, going to do with that, but I'm going to let you work a little while. And so thank you for letting me work a little while as we proceed uh, in the scripture. I want to preach hope today. I don't know what you specifically are facing. I don't know what disasters have fallen you. I don't know what difficulties and struggles has... I'm having difficulties and struggles in my PA right now. And let this be a metaphor for uh, difficulties and struggles. Well, yeah. Mm. Mm. All right. Now, if the praise team will come back up. No, I'm teasing. (laughs) I'm teasing. Uh, So whatever setbacks, whatever awkward moments (laughs) you have in your life, I want you to know that God makes all things new. He's the one who makes all things new. Now, if things have been going really well for you, that may not have much uh, resonance with your spirit. But if you've lived through difficult times, you have great hope with the realization uh, God isn't just in the creation business. He is in the recycle business. (laughs) And he takes the mess of me, of my heart, and he makes me new. Somebody say amen. Amen. I want to preach hope today. Whatever you're facing, I want you to to have hope in in your spirit. Um, I heard a a little child, had a funny story of a little child here recently. Um, He was praying his night prayers, and he said, Dear God, 
please take care of my daddy and my mommy and my sister and my brother and my doggy and my cat and me. Oh, and please take care of yourself, Lord, because if anything happens to you, we're all going to be in a big mess. <laughs> uh, does anyone feel that way here today? <laughs> By all means, take care of you. Travel safely. You know, <laughs> uh, we were, uh, yes, this week we were having a dinner uh, with my mom and dad, and this actually was my birthday dinner, and uh, my dad asked my son to pray. And so my son had to get himself ready, you know, okay, I'm praying in front of Papa, you know, kind of get himself organized and put a serious face on and, you know, turn all of his electronics off, which is no small thing. And, and uh, he started to pray, and I told him right before he prayed, I said, you know, uh, Duran, if you'd like to lay hands on me uh, here in the restaurant, I, I'll let you do that. Ellery didn't miss a, beat, miss a beat. She said, yeah, because Daddy really needs it. <laughs> Um, uh, whatever you're facing, whatever you are uh, wrestling with in your life, um, you cannot lose this truth that all of this church thing that we try to do, live, be, understand, include ourselves, all of this God thing where there is a mystery of godliness, there is a glory to God, there is an unknowable, unfathomable element to God, and we even so incline our hearts toward God, even so we try to know him and serve him, all of it, hear me, all of it is built upon hope, Amen. because hope becomes the very anchor of our soul. Sometimes I talk with people who are struggling with faith. And they are confessing difficulty in their life as to uh, believing something, believing the promises of God. Sometimes, full disclosure, no sense hiding from the truth, they're struggling with basic faith. They are struggling to believe in the existence of God. And we cannot meet those people as though they are a threat because... How shall I say this? Um, uh, error uh, is not a threat to the truth. The truth is settled forever. And so you can greet people struggling in their faith with kindness and love without needing to dominate them or force them to agree with you in any regard. You simply can love them and witness of the God who made difference a difference in your life. And so when I talk to these people, I, I, I'm not in a debate with them. I'm not mad at them. I'm not trying to convince them how dumb they are. Uh, honestly, I usually end up listening a little bit more than I talk because it doesn't matter what I believe. It, uh, it doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter where, um, you know, <laughs> the pastoral staff is. Uh, their next step is not what my next step is. Does that make sense? Uh, it doesn't matter. It, it, those, that's unhelpful for them to think about where the church is or where the preacher is. The only thing that matters is what is your next step. That's where you are. It's unhelpful to look where someone else is and to compare yourself. That will create a sense of futility and you won't even try. What you have to ask yourself is what's the next godly step for me? What is the next step of faith? What is the next step of hope? And when I talk to people who are struggling to get to faith, 
I often will say something that surprises them. Every single time it surprises them. And every single time I tell believers, um, it surprises them. And they look at me like, are you sure that's okay? Are you sure that's not false doctrine, brother? Uh, But I'm pretty sure. And so I am going to say this. If you cannot climb all the way to faith, there is a very strong possibility that you could climb your way to hope. Yes. Yes. Because hope becomes foundational to faith. And so I'll give you an example. Uh, many of you know I'm a cancer survivor. Uh, and when I was on going through six months of chemotherapy, it was a pretty miserable time. No, no sense trying to act like it was, and it was pretty miserable. Um, I made it, and if you ever had to do it, you'll make it. So there's no sense living in terror. It's just, it's just not a good time. Let's put it this way. Um, and so I will be completely honest with you. During those times, I'd be so miserable and sick sick and tired and exhausted and self-pity. Y'all don't have self-pity. Only us carnal people have self-pity. And, um, I, you know, I was really struggling. A lot of times, I needed other people to pray the prayer of faith for me because I was in survival mode. I wonder, anyone want to be real here for a little while? You want to be real? Let's be real. I was in survival mode. I needed someone else to have faith for me. You might be here today, and you might be in survival mode, and you need someone else to have faith for you. That's one of the reasons why we end every Sunday service with a prayer time, with the laying on of hands. We end every service with a time of of praying one for another. Not everybody does it. That's okay. We don't want to be a church where everybody has to do uh, any particular thing. But the point is this. We want to linger in the presence of God, and we want our faith to grow. And if you are in survival mode, you need someone else to lay hands on you and speak the name of Jesus over you. Can I get some agreement in this house here today? You're in survival mode. You need to let someone else put a hand on your whole shoulder and say, I speak victory into my brother's life. I speak victory into my sister's life. You need someone to look you right between the eyes and say, God is with you. You will come through this. You will be Victoria. victorious. You are not alone. Do not be deceived. Don't let the devil lie to you. God's on your side. Everything's built on hope. Uh, You might need uh, many things from God today that your faith is not at a place to activate. Our faith uh, is in some way an activator of God's power and authority in our life. And uh, honestly, if our faith isn't there, it's not time to quit. It's time to cast out an anchor of hope and say, I, God, I know, I, I, I am trusting. I may not have, I may not be running with the young men right now, but I know you are working on my behalf. I want to be a messenger of hope to all of you here today. Uh, this passage of scripture that I'm going to reference, I think is a, uh, it really is divine hope given in a prophetic vision. Uh, prophets oftentimes would be communicated uh, with by God in the form of prophetic vision where they would see something that had symbolic importance. All spiritual things are taught by symbolic 
uh, instruction, whether it's baptism in water, whether it's repentance at an altar, whether it is an infilling of the Spirit where there are signs following, whatever it is, those things are a symbol in the literal, the, the, the flesh, of something that is true in the spiritual. So it is with the Lord's Supper. This is your body. This is your blood. It's a symbol of a spiritual reality. We have a soul, but we live in a fleshly veil, as it were. We live in the flesh, although we have an eternal soul. And so in the same manner, prophets would be given visions that had symbol to them. Let me read this um, uh, to you, uh, and we will then take a moment to explain it. Ezekiel chapter number 47. Uh, Ezekiel's telling a story. He says, then the Lord brought me back to the door of the temple. I saw a stream flowing eastward from beneath the temple, passing to the right of the altar, that is on its south side. Then he brought me outside the wall through a north passageway and around to the eastern entrance where I saw the stream flowing along the south side of the eastern passageway. What is he talking about? He's talking about the temple. He's been taken by the Lord up to a temple that has is no longer is no longer the place of worship. I'll explain that. He take is taken there and then he sees this stream flowing out. Remember the stream. Uh, then he begins a process of measuring 1,500 feet, and the Lord invites him to go across the stream, and it was shallow water up to his knees. Another 1,500 feet, he crosses, and the water was up to his knees, ankles, then knees. 1,500 feet, and then it was up to his waist. 1,500 feet, and he says, the river became so deep that I could not get across it unless I were to swim. It was too deep to cross on foot. Then he told me to keep in mind what I had seen. <laughs> then he led me back along the bank, and now, to my surprise, many trees were growing on both sides of the river. Now, my title starts to make a little bit of sense to you. The prophet is taken up in vision to see what God is going to do. And he sees the temple. Now, what is unique to uh, this story of the temple for Ezekiel? When Ezekiel was young, uh, he was a priest. Uh, he was a functioning, working priest uh, in uh, the priesthood, working at the temple, and he served as a priest early in his uh, young adulthood. But then Babylon came. Babylon slew the armies of Israel on the field, took the nation captive, took all of the people as slaves, and marched them to Babylon. And among them was a young priest by the name of Ezekiel. The role of the priest is much diminished. It's not near as big a role in Babylon as it was in Jerusalem. There's no temple in Babylon. There's no order of worship. There is no structure to religious and spiritual life. And yet, he's still called, and he's still anointed. And what the Lord begins to do in Ezekiel is move him, watch this, from the ministry of priests of a priest to the ministry of a prophet. I want to say to anyone who feels like your life is going through transition, 
Uh, don't think that just because there is change in your life that God does not have a work for you to do. God still has a work for you to do. The seasons of our life must and will change. The circumstances of our years must and will change. But the calling of God is there all the days of your life. You may have to find a different way to bless. You may have to find a different way to encourage others. You may have to find a different form of ministry. You may not run with the young men, but hear me. God is, his hand is upon you. And so uh, he is in the role of a prophet, and he's taken up by God, and he is taken to this mountaintop uh, where the temple is, and he has shown how out of the temple a river is flowing. Now, there's so many lessons in the symbols here, and I, I don't want to take too much time on this uh, because I want to move this story as quickly as possible to what God needs and wants to do in you and God, what God wants to do for you. Okay, so uh, here we are, the Lord showing him something, teaching him something. As a priest, this temple was a place of duty. Let's be honest, if you've served the Lord a few years, it can feel like that. Uh, the church house can feel like a place of duty. To an outsider, this temple seems like kind of an ugly place of death. Why do I say that? Because this is the place of sacrifice, and it smells like some, some combination of a butchery, a butcher shop, and a crematorium, and none, neither of that is very exciting for anyone. Uh, to an outsider, if you have no faith, if the sacrifice has no meaning for you, if the brazen uh, labor has no meaning for you, if the altar has no meaning for you, then like an unbeliever, it just looks kind of strange and smells kind of funny. But to the devout believer, it is a place of worship. I, I want to say to all of you, wherever you add in God, there's a risk that the church can always be one of those three things in your life. It's primarily duty. You've lost your joy. Now you're only motivated by guilt. You're sick of this and tired of that. And you don't like them anyway. And so the church is a place of duty. Let me tell you, that is to miss the greater portion of what God can do for you and who God should be to you. To an unbeliever, the things we do seem strange. What's with all the clapping? What's with all the shouting? What's with the deal with baptism? It just looks strange and oddly off-putting to you. Uh, and this is always the case when it, the things we do as reverences and worship toward the Lord have lost their meaning. Uh, hear me, all of you who grew up in the church, this is always a risk for those of us who grew up in the church, where we come, but it's lost its meaning for us. And when that happens, uh, there's no preaching who could preach good enough to give you that meaning back. And there's no parent that can uh, lead uh, good enough for you to get that meaning back. You have to ask God to show you his beauty. You have to say, Lord, would you help me perceive how you're trying to make a broken world whole? Would you help me to see that greater love hath no man than this? Then he laid down his life for us, friend. And in the return of meaning, you can get back to worship and praise. And so for this man taken up by God, I, I want to point out one more detail in the story. 
This vision is happening 25 years after their enslavement. A whole generation has passed, and here God is saying, you think there's nothing to save. You think the generation coming up doesn't even know what it feels like to be free. I want to show you a vision of what can be in my promise in my kingdom. And then Ezekiel sees this river that starts so shallow. It's almost though at the first, it's just a seep uh, from beneath a stone somewhere. And he has to travel, uh, walk a good distance. And then uh, maybe, say, 500 or so yards later, um, he, 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 he finds the waters a little deeper. Um, he doesn't find deep water right away. I want you to see that he has to go uh, uh, deeper. He has to walk a while. And then what does he find after he's walked a while? The water has gotten a little bit deeper. I want to remind all of you, your relationship with God is progressive. None of us jump all the way to where we ought to be in a day. You need to make a decision to turn your heart toward God. Because, honey, it's going to take a little while for you to get to deeper water. It took you a while to get where you are. It's going to take a little while to get to where you want to be. Uh, and so this truth is ever, ever so necessary for us to understand. Uh, this journeying with the Lord. I, I want to remind all of you that this image of the journey is so important for all of us who are trying to serve the Lord. Um, I, I, let's be on, uh, let, me, let me be honest. I, I love church. I, I do. I grew up in church. Um, sometimes I'll just... I'll just want to hear a a song or something that I have good memories with, and I'll go to Spotify, and I might be having some prayer time. I might just be taking care of stuff, but I'll put on some of the the music I grew up with, or I'll uh, listen to some of the people that I, I, when I was in uh, Bible school, I was part of the band, and we would play certain artists, and we would perform certain songs. I'll go listen to that, because I just like church. And I uh, get together, and um, I, it, it, it's, it's, it's good for me. I, I, I enjoy it. I, I hope you enjoy it. But the goal of church cannot simply be to make you feel. Now, I want you to feel. Why? Because you are an emotional being. You, you are an emotional being. Do you understand what I'm saying? I want you to feel, but let's be honest. A movie makes you feel, but a movie doesn't change your life. Do you see what I'm saying? A movie makes you feel, but a movie doesn't change your life. A concert makes you feel, but a concert doesn't change your life. And we can't allow a service to primarily be a place where we go and get a feeling inside, but we do not, watch this, turn our minds intentionally before God. The most important thing that can happen in a service like this is for you to make a decision for the Lord. And you say, look, I've got a long way to go, but I'm turning my heart toward the Lord today. I've got a lot of things I need to do better, but I'm making a decision right now. Let me tell you this truth. When the preacher's done, I hope I made you feel, but the preacher's going to be done. I need you to make up in your mind, I'm walking toward the Lord. Does that make sense? We have a great praise and worship team. They work hard. They work super hard. They're some of the hardest working people in the church to help us enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. But when the song is over, there's a good chance the feeling fades. 
And the song has to end because their voice has, uh, how shall we say, limits on it. They can't sing forever. I've been in a few churches where we tried to sing forever. I grew up playing the drums in church, and I've been in camp meetings where I played the drums until my hands bled. True story. All drummers who grew up in the right kind of church culture, they know exactly what I'm talking about. I, I, I grew up where I had blood on my white shirt playing the drums because we went on and on and on. And they sing that song, can't stop praising his name. I just can't stop praising his name. I just can't stop praising his name, Jesus. How many of you ever sang that song? That's a good song, but that song has a problem. <laughs> That song has a problem. It is a song of confession. I can't stop. And as a drummer, I literally, we would play and play and play and play and play. And then you see the drummer, they start signing to some a drummer, and it's always some kid, and no one's ever let them on the drums. They're like, my God, let me up there, let me up there, let me up there. And so you understand, and stuff like that, you know, it just was on and on and on. No matter how long we go, it's going to stop, and the feeling's going to fade. I need you to make up your mind. I'm beginning today, Lord Jesus. I've got a lot of work to do. I've got a lot of things to do, but I'm making up my mind. I choose you. Y'all know what I'm talking about. How many of you ever sing that song, There Ain't No Party Like a Holy Ghost Party Because a Holy Ghost Party Don't Stop? Hey! Easy, easy, easy. I, I was in a service one time, and I, I was dying for that Holy Ghost Party to stop. Because that sounds terrible, so y'all think bad about me later. But I, I'm just saying, I was, you know what I'm talking about. It's going to stop here, and the feeling's going to fade, and I need you to have made up your mind. Lord, I'm walking towards you. I'm walking towards you. I'm making up my mind. It's going to take some discipline in my life. I, I, and so let me, let me real quick just throw this out, out there to you. Um, uh, if you want to set yourself up for spiritual progress, you have to, you, you, you have to uh, begin this process of, of turning, uh, toward, turning toward the Lord. Remember this. I'll tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just put this. I'm going to come back to it because I want to real quick give you an overview of uh, the lesson given here in Ezekiel uh, by Rivers. Ezekiel's having a moment of spiritual understanding. This temple, to some it seems like a place of death to an outsider. To some it seems like a place of duty to a priest. And to some, like a believer, it seems like a house of worship. But the image is this, out of this temple, to some it's all these various things, there is a river of life. So uh, real quick, uh, lessons about rivers. Um, the first thing you need to know about rivers is rivers are a lesson in deepening. They are a lesson in deepening. Remember the image of the prophet? Uh, at the first, it was very, very shallow, and then he went a little longer. Somebody say, go a little deeper. He went a little deeper, and guess what? It got a little deeper. <laughs> And the Lord said, I want you to walk again. He walked in. Guess what happened? It got a little deeper. And so rivers are a lesson in deepening. And uh, next, rivers are a lesson in gathering. I'll explain that in a moment. Number three, rivers are a lesson in life. So if you desire to grow deeper in the Lord, and I pray, I pray so much that you have a hunger in your life to grow deeper in the Lord, um, I want you to know it's going to happen in terms of progression. Uh, it's going to be a journey. You're going to 
find something at the house of the Lord, but then you're going to have to keep walking, and it's going to get a little deeper. You understand what I'm saying? And so uh, this is an important lesson uh, for all generations who have ever known the Lord, who have all ever served the Lord. How do you grow deeper? I don't have time to do this justice, but very quickly, I want to give you just a quick overview that almost any strong believer could give you uh, on how we grow deeper in the Lord. Let me just real quick, how many of you would like to be deeper in the Lord? I know I would like to be deeper in the Lord. The first thing is this. um, If you don't want it, it's not going to happen. The first lesson is desire. There has to be a desire in your heart to grow deeper in the Lord. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Uh, If you don't have any desire to grow deeper in the Lord, there's nothing that um, I can do uh, to give you that except pray that the Lord would break up the fallow ground of your soul and give you a desire for a deeper relationship with the Lord. So first is desire. Secondly is focus. If you are unwilling to focus, you'll never grow deeper in the Lord. Let me give you this truth. All of you know this, but let me remind you, you'll never find the time. You have to make the time. And if you're unwilling to make the time, there won't be time. Let me say it again. You'll never find the time. You have to make the time. Get your grandma finger out, point it at your neighbor, and say, you'll never find the time. You have to make the time. And if you don't make the time, there won't be the time. Okay, so number one was desire. If you don't want it, honey, it ain't going to happen. I mean, I love you. I hope you do well, but it ain't going to happen if you don't want it. Number two, if you won't make time, if you won't focus, it won't matter if you want it. Does that make sense? It don't matter if you want it if you won't make time. Uh, You have to focus. Number three, um, now, in focus is a whole process of repentance, of turning your heart toward God, making a decision, walking with him, taking on divine identity through baptism in his name, uh, and then uh, answering the door when God knocks on the door, and you, his Holy Spirit begins to work on you and in you and through you. All that is part of the story of deepening, but I, I want to talk about two other principles that uh, are a part of growing deeper in God. The first was you have to want it, and the second was you, you have to focus. No, the third one is this. You need to begin to to live justly. Um, God's values are different than the world's values. And if you value what the world values, you'll not ever live with spiritual justice. There has to be a transformation that happens in your life. And you begin desire to, to walk justly. Two things the Lord has desired, that we would walk justly. And here's number four. Mercy as a way of life begins to work in us. You can't receive mercy until you've given mercy. In the same manner you give, you receive. Therefore, healing is always on the other side of you letting mercy do a work in your life. And mercy is God forgiving you, and it's you forgiving others. Because the people who hurt you are part of the prison you're living in. I got a little bit of agreement over here. This side, uh, Don tried to help me, but y'all, y'all slackers right here. Uh, I'm going to say it to y'all. The people who hurt you are part of the prison you're living in. Let mercy work. Let justice change your heart. I want to be like God. I want to please God. I don't want the values of this world. I don't care what the social media influencers thinks I should do with my life. I mean, God bless them, but I don't care. You see what I'm saying? I want, I, I'm, I'm hungering for you, Lord. That's, that's letting this transformation. You're working spiritual justice by being like the Lord. And then I love mercy. 
Let me tell you what happens when you love mercy. God can now knit you together with other believers. This was never meant to be isolation. But if you can't see the good in others and you cannot forgive others and you cannot see other people's flaws and rather than thinking I'm better than you, you think, my Lord, we all need Jesus. Uh, That should be the change in your life. Now you love mercy. The moment you begin to love mercy, guess what? You begin to develop a testimony. Why? Men see that you can love other people, and then they know you're Christ's disciples. So, all right, that's enough. All right, let me, the rivers are a lesson in deepening, and rivers, uh, they deepen as they go. Um, All of you know the Mississippi River. I'll use that as a teaching example since we're using the example of rivers. Um, Mississippi starts up in Minnesota. It is, uh, if you trace it far enough, it's an outlet from a fairly small lake um, called Lake Itasca, and uh, it begins to flow south, and it begins to gather all of the streams, tributaries, uh, creeks, seeps, uh, you, you name it. It begins to gather it, and it begins to get bigger, but for a very, 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 very long way, uh, it's not very deep, um, and yet rivers are a lesson in deepening. I'll give you an example of this. Um, 1887 or 1866, they did the first navigation channel in the Mississippi River, and the goal of that channel was just to dig a consistent channel that was four feet deep. Now, that is a big disappointment to you, right? You think the Mississippi River four feet deep. I couldn't even drown the devil in four foot of water. Actually, the Lord can, though. He drowned the whole Egyptian army in uh, that much water. They said they could walk across, the skeptic said, and the believer said, yeah, my God drowned them in three feet of water, praise God. (laughs) Anyway, that's an old joke. I better not confuse anybody with biblical history. Uh, (laughs) And so then they deepened it in uh, 1878. How much do you think they deepened it? Uh, Half a foot. They deepened it to four and a half feet. They deepened it again in 1907. How much do you think it, how deep do you think it was now? Now they made it a whole six feet deep. They deepened it again in 1930s. Uh, How do you think, how deep do you think it was now? A whole nine feet deep. And the navigation channel all up through there. You see, rivers are a lesson in deepening. In the beginning, it's just like a shallow thing. It can't carry a barge. It can't carry a riverboat. It's a shallow thing. But if you'll follow the river, when it gets down to New Orleans, where the channel flows out into uh, the Gulf of Mexico, the channel is a, a, a nearly, a, the river's a mile and a half wide, and the channel's over 200 feet deep, and it can carry ocean tankers now, because rivers are a lesson in deepening. You need to let God take your hand and lead you a few hundred feet at a time, a few hundred feet at a time, a few months at a time, a few years at a time, and what do you discover? The water's getting deeper in your life. Secondly, rivers are a lesson in gathering. Um, All rivers are the result of tributaries, uh, watersheds, creeks, rivers, streams. You get the idea that flow into them. In fact, the name Mississippi, that name is from a Native American tribe, uh, Chippewayan tribe, I believe, and it means a gathering of waters. It literally means a gathering of waters. Have you ever wondered how many rivers flow into the Mississippi? Um, Well, you can find some of the names of the big ones like the Ohio River and the Missouri River and I think maybe the Snake River. I don't know. Uh, You get the idea. Um, The point being that if that's how many rivers you think flow into the Mississippi, then you don't understand because... um, 
What the truth is, is nobody knows how many streams and creeks and tributaries and rivers flow into it. Literally, you can research it for itself. Nobody knows. This is how they, this is what they can count. All the watersheds, creeks, streams, seeps of 31 states flow in to one river. One thing I love about the church is we come from all different backgrounds. We come from all different tribes and tongues. And God has brought us into spiritual unity together. How? In him. Let me read Ephesians chapter number one, verse number nine. He has made us, he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ. Did you hear? That he might gather together in one all things in Christ. I want you to see how God brings us from all different backgrounds. Our church has uh, almost 30 different nationalities that are a part of our church. But when we get to uh, the great day of the Lord gathering us home, the Bible says there will be every tribe and there will be every kindred in that house. So I like to say if you can't get along with people who are different than you, heaven is going to feel like hell. (laughs) What you should do is humble yourself and let the principle of mercy begin to work in your life. They're not perfect. I'm not perfect either. (laughs) That's some fine preaching. I'll give myself an amen on that. The church is a great gathering of people. It's a great gathering of tribes. It started in the house of the Lord, and as it flows, it gets deeper. It gets wider. And finally, the final thing I want you to see is that rivers are a lesson in life. Wherever you see rivers, you see life. You can go to a desert land, and if a river runs through it, there is life there. Uh, the promised land that the children of Israel um, had their, their, their culture develop in, that God had given to them, it is an arid land. And to these people, a water is a form of wealth. Um, and the great lessons of that water in this land is very much uh, the lesson of how water gives life. And so wherever uh, the river flows, there is uh, life. Ezekiel in the same prophecy, let me read verse number nine in the same prophecy. Everything touching the water of this river shall live. Uh, anybody have any circumstances in your life that need some divine life poured into them? You have some realities. You need the water to flow in that. You need the well of water to spring up in your life. The prophet says, everything touching the water of this river shall live. Somebody say it with me, shall live. Speak to some death in your life, shall live. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea. How does that happen? God has to heal the waters. 
Remember the story in the Old Testament where God brings them to bitter waters and the prophet, uh, or Moses, uh, as the prophet of the Lord in that moment, he uh, takes a branch and he casts it into bitter waters. And what does the Bible say? Bitter waters were made sweet. However you're bitter, how bitter your life is, the cross can make bitter water sweet. It might be that it's not just you who needs healing. You need bitter waters to be healed in your life. Some of us come from uh, backgrounds where, let's be honest, we didn't have much of a chance. We need waters to be healed. We need bitter waters to be made sweet. Uh, we didn't, uh, were raised in, you know, a stable house with stable parents. We kind of just sorted ourselves out as we went. Uh, I want you to know sometimes it is the waters themselves that need to be healed, but God can heal the dead sea. The Bible says, for its waters will be healed. Watch this. Wherever this water flows, everything will live. Uh, here is the reality of our, our, our life with the Lord. Uh, there is a flowing of water that begins at the house of the Lord, and it takes us somewhere. And as it goes, it deepens and it widens, and it gathers from all of the watershed, all of the land, all of the slopes of all of the mountains. It gathers, and it becomes more than just a stream. There is a point of this river where there is water to swim in and then watch this well let me let me let me just take you to the scripture we we read before and now the prophet says to my surprise many trees were growing on both sides of the river so now my title starts to make sense here's a prophet god saying i want to show you something that i'm going to do all prophecy is not a pen in time. All prophecy is a thread through time. And so this word spoke to them in that moment. But remember, it's threaded through, not a pen. It speaks to us in this moment. It spoke to the house of Israel when they were scattered to all the nations of the world uh, by a, a diaspora of, of political uh, persecution. They were scattered all around the world. They could read the prophet Ezekiel and this prophet did not just speak to this time, the Babylonian era. It spoke to all the diaspora of believing Jews. And as church believers, it speaks to us. And prophetically, it speaks about the kingdom of God's purpose in the earth. These waters begin to flow and they begin to deepen, and they begin to widen, and they begin to gather. And pretty soon, the church is people you would never know if it wasn't for the church. Yes. The church is full of people you would never be friends with if it wasn't for the church. The church is full of people who they would be in prison right now if it wasn't for the power of God changing their life. The church is full of people who once were bound in trespasses and sins, but today, they are a living testimony of God in their life. To my surprise, many trees were growing by the sides of the river. I wonder why the prophet was surprised by a multitude of trees. Well, let me tell you why. Trees take a lot of water. They can't make it on just a little bit of water. <laughs> 
they need a lot of water. Um, if you go to certain parts of the country, you'll see a river and you'll see a lot of scrub brush. Like, for example, uh, Texas. Uh, they say everything's bigger in Texas. Not true. Rivers aren't bigger in Texas. <laughs> Rivers are much, they're big disappointments in Texas. And you'll notice that some areas they'll have trees by rivers and there'll be parts of the river where the river is not steady enough and it will not be the same type of water oak growth that grows up out of that water. The prophet is saying this. Well, let me, let me make one other point here. Uh, a lot of trees don't grow in the, in the land of Israel. Um, it's just not. They have olive trees. They have certain kinds of trees that survive, that survive, survive, um, word for the day. There will be, there will be a spelling test. Um, they survive in an arid soil and arid climate. But you, I promise you, you go to the Holy Land, no one will expect it, uh, uh, mistake it for a, a South Carolina Cypress uh, Swamp. No, it's never going to happen. There are going to be these poor little beaten down looking trees that look like they've been trying to serve a hammer god every day of their life and just beaten down. And now they're little old twisted cook things, you know. That's what it looks like. But there are some rivers that they are deep enough and they are steady enough that many trees, it's as though the prophet says, out of the house of God, a river is flowing. And this is the first thing I want you to see. It gets deeper. It gets deeper. There comes a point where you can swim in it. And the second thing I want you to know, it gets wider. The blessings include other people. Blessings, the, the arms of God are big enough to embrace the whole world. It's for whosoever will let them come and drink. It is for whosoever will. It's not just for the goody two-shoe two types. It's not for one political party and not the other. It's not for one nationality and not the other. It is for whosoever will. This kingdom of God, it gets deeper. And it gathers everyone in. And it brings life. It brings life. Uh, it heals bitter waters. And now the prophet says, it's as though I, I'm looking at something I've never seen before. <laughs> I see that this river supports many trees. And let me be honest with you. As a person who's grown up in the desert, I find trees as a bit of a surprise. So here, watch this. God wants... God wants to bless you, favor you, and prosper you in a way that you yourself are surprised by the blessings that is growing up in your life. I've been preaching three weeks on blessing. I've been trying to apply it to our lives in a spiritual manner, not just a desire for more, but a spiritual manner, how God blesses, how God gives favor. I, I've, I've wanted so much to get and awaken within my heart and your heart this desire that, God, I want to please you. I want to be the servant that you invest in. I want to, the blessing you would give. I don't want just blessing for the sake of blessing. I'm not looking for money for the sake of money. Money could destroy me. But, God, I want to look at everywhere the water of your promise has flowed, and I want to be surprised by the trees that are growing up. I, I thought that I kind of grew up in a desert. Oh, let me preach to some Somebody. You may have grown up and there is a difficulty in your background where you never really had much of a chance. 
uh, your parents didn't have their money organized, and you know what? It's been kind of hard for you to get your money organized. It might be that you grew up and your parents had almost a type of generational curse on them, and you have fought it, and you're smart enough to see it, but it's like, okay, having seen it, what next? And now you're like, I grew up in a desert land. Am I preaching to anybody here today? I grew up in a desert land. I I never expected much. I I didn't grow up with a sense of a silver spoon in my mouth. I, I didn't expect a whole lot in my life, but when I look at what God has started to do in me, I'm kind of surprised at how God is blessing me. How many of you, how many of you look at your life now and say, I don't even really know what to say at how good God has been in my life. I don't even really know how to talk about the blessings of God. Let me just say it like the prophet. I'm kind of surprised by the trees in my life. <laughs> Musicians come. I kind of had a, uh, expected a little old muddy river flowing down through a dry land. I expected other people to turn up their nose at that river and say in their self, you know, we have fancy rivers where I come from. I'm not going to go dip seven times in that little old pathetic river. That's an insult to me. Uh, I'm just going to go find a, a, a bigger river. That's what I expected. But when I consider how God has blessed me, I just want to say I'm kind of surprised by the trees. I never thought this kind of blessing would survive in my life. But look at me sitting up in the shade. I'm almost done. I want you to believe God that there is favor for you where someday you're going to be sitting in the shade and you're going to be thinking, man, I did not expect that my desert background could support a tree like this. But God has been good to me. There was a day where I had to fight for every cup full of water I ever could get. There was a day I had to fight tooth and nail for every teaspoon of blessing I got. And I pretty much expected that that was going to be. But then at the house of the Lord, quite to my surprise, I found that water was flowing at the, oh my Lord, I wish I could preach better. At the house of the Lord, I I find, Sister Bridget, that water was flowing there. I I didn't know what to expect so much. But there was water at the house of the Lord. And at first, I just, it's kind of a blessing in my life. Life. I didn't expect a whole lot for myself. You know what I'm saying? I just was like, well, that was good. You know, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Good to see y'all. <laughs> now I'm going to go back to this jadaster of my life here. Uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's just a little bit of water flowing, but I kept going back to the water. I kept going back to the water. I kept going back to the water. And guess what happened? And I was quite surprised. The water started getting a little deeper. Holy moly. Who would have thought of that? But I, I didn't stop going to the water. It, would fl- it, it, it started flowing on uh, at the altar. And then it kind of flew down. Uh, one flew, flowed, flew, flew. The water was flying. It was a flying water boat. And it, it came down the side of the church. And I, God began to grow me in a way I didn't expect. It was kind of down this side of the church. I realized I had to get my relationships organized. I was my own worst enemy. And I was kind of sick of it, to be honest with you. I was just kind of sick of being my own worst enemy. And so the water began to flow down this side of my life. And I was like, yes, Lord. I started sorting some things out. I started learning about boundaries. I started learning like nobody cares. It's on me. And, uh, and then... But to my surprise, I thought, 
You're going to preach with me, my sister. All right, it's going to be me and you. You ready for this? And then the Lord started flowing down the other side of my life. And I, I realized, you know, I needed to kind of get my testimony organized. I, I couldn't let the devil intimidate me every time I had a scare in my life. I had to stand up and tell the devil he was a liar. Now, I'll be honest with you, I never saw myself doing that. <laughs> the water was starting to get a little deeper. You know, I never told the devil he was a liar. I mean, that was over on the Sister Bridget side of the church. You know what I'm saying? But I, my God, I just started standing up and saying, hmm, devil, talk to the hand. I, I don't know what to expect, but the water, it kept getting deeper. And then... I just kept coming back. You know what I'm saying? I kept coming back. And, and it wasn't long. And pretty soon, I, I started realizing that the Lord was going to help me with this jadaster. That's a, my, me and my kids' words. We say jadaster because I love kids, and kids love me, and we're a happy family. And so um, uh, that was a jadaster in your life. And you're like, man, I, I need to get this career situation sorted out. You had been going from job to job. They didn't have any sense of favor in your life. You knew how to be blessed at church, but the moment you walk out of the church, you started acting like a poor, broken, flawed person without hope. You didn't carry yourself with confidence. You didn't have any hope. And you started realizing that God's favor was a thing. And much to your surprise, the water started flowing from unexpected areas. It was still getting deeper. And, and now, because it was being gathered in, you started realizing you could bless other people because your house, God didn't just fix your problems, God fixed you. And then one day you were at work and your life started to have a little bit of testimony. But, so someone asked you to pray for them. You know, if you don't have testimony, people don't ask you to pray for them. Have you noticed that? If nobody ever asks you to pray for them, it's because you ain't got no testimony. Don't mean to be ugly. I just, speaking the truth in love is biblical. But the, the, the apostle said, offense must come, and I just want to be a blessing. Now, now, you've started to build. The water's getting a little deeper. It's gathering in. Someone said, would you pray for me? And you thought to yourself, my God, what do you mean pray? That's the stuff that happens over there on that side of the church. Those people, they pray for me. But, but you're like, well, okay, okay. The water's getting deeper. The water's getting deeper. People are gathering in. And there comes a day because you stayed connected. Because you kept going back to the house of God. Because you, mm. Where you realize, are you ready for this? This is some deep theological insight. You realize that through God, you had it made in the shade. I'll be honest with you, in my life, I've had some stuff in my life. I've had some stuff. I've had some hurt. I've had church hurt. I've had sickness. I've had scare. I've been sick. My wife's been sick. My kids have been sick. I mean, like, serious sick. I've had some trouble. But I just want to say that at this point of my life, I'm kind of surprised by the trees in my life. Stand with me. 
the most important thing that can happen to you today is not just a feeling. I want you to feel. You need it. You're human. The most important thing that can happen to you is, is not to be entertained. I want you to be entertained. You're human. The most important thing that can happen in your life is for you to make a decision right now that I'm getting connected to God. Because if I will... Mm. What did Jesus say to the woman at the well? If you knew who was asking you for water, you would ask me for water. Because if I gave you water, it would be a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So my strong appeal to everyone here today, my strong, strong appeal is get connected to the life-giving water of the Lord Jesus Christ. Get connected to it. Don't try to go do everything all at once. First, win the battle of your mind. Start fighting that battle before you start trying to change your life. If you can win this battle, change in your life will get a whole lot easier. But if you can't win this battle, it's going to feel impossible to change your life. Get connected to that water and say at first it was just kind of a blessing at church, you know. And then later on, man, I begin to grow in confidence. I begin to grow in faith. And then, wow, what do you know? God started fixing me, not just rescuing me, but fixing me. I started getting strong. My God, stronger. I started making progress. A day will come when you'll say, Dear God, I'm kind of surprised by all the trees in my life. You have blessed me beyond measure, oh Lord. You have strengthened us. You, has kept, you have kept us. And today, we are a breathing testimony that if someone will connect to you, if someone will make a spiritual commitment, if they will choose today, I'm turning my heart toward God. I'm going to begin repenting. I'm going to begin committing. I'm going to begin confessing. I'm going to become a worshiper, oh Lord. I'm not going to wait till I'm perfect. That's never going to happen. But I'm going to start the process of honoring God. First, I honor the Lord. Then I develop reverence. Then comes a fear, a healthy fear of the Lord. Now I get strength because I have some reason why. Oh, Lord Jesus, I pray for everybody in this house here today. Let the river flow in our heart and life. In Jesus' name. To my surprise, there were many trees growing on both sides of the river. To my surprise, I had blessings to the right and I had blessings to the left. To my surprise, God's done a great work. I'm going to open this altar up right now. And if you want to be a living testimony of that kind of blessing in your life, you want your testimony to be a part of this river of life flowing, I want to invite you to step out of the chair you're in right now. I'd like you to come down here and stand. We always linger in our services. And so those of you I've been preaching to you, you know who you are. You have resonated in your spirit. You have felt this in your bones. I want you to move right now. I want you to step down. Don't, don't let anybody stop you. Don't let anybody, what they might think or say, don't, don't let that happen. Something needs to happen on the altar here today. And I'll invite all of you who will to respond to this moment and stand down in this front. Those of you who will come, come. Those of you, wherever you are, I want you to turn that seat into a time of calling upon the name of the Lord. I want you to linger in the presence of the Lord all across this house right now. Would you begin to lift your voice? Focus.
your mind. Have a sincerity to your words. Lord Jesus, we are believing together that you will work on our behalf. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us. Thank you.